Welcome to Service Sharp. This is a podcast all about service now. We'll be talking strategy, architecture, technology, and everything service now. This podcast is not affiliated with service now. The opinions expressed are our own. We're just people that are very passionate about the platform. Join us for every episode. Hi, this is Jason Gibson. I'm joining me today is Brent Peters and Randy Haas. Uh, we are currently going to be talking about uh, why do you need an architect? So this will be a great episode of Server Sharp. So um, I'll get it started. Um, Brent, why do you need an architect? Oh, so I'm getting it started. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Throw them in the deep end. <laughs> I'm going to throw you into the deep water and then we'll pull you back out. Okay. That works. Um, an architect uh, could be, well, it's several things, but an architect really is the person that's going to know, you know, about the system and what should work and shouldn't work and that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know the official definition, but it is someone that is going to know the system front and back or know most of the system front and back and know you know how it works it, yeah and, you know work. when i think of an architect and this is what was hard for me is uh, an architect is not as concerned about um it the the minutiae of a lot of things the architect is concerned about the stability of the platform they're concerned about how is it done and how is it done correctly? Uh, it's not just about uh, how to get it done, but how to get it done right. So uh, I think that's that's where we really thrive is when people bring us ideas, we pick them apart and we say, okay, this is the best way to do this. And, and a lot of times are telling people no. <laughs> um <laughs> Happens, but usually, usually it's a no. It's usually a no, but with a caveat. No, it, right. we shouldn't be doing it that way. Maybe we should look at doing it the correct way or the best way that fits into ServiceNow or or any application that they're an architect over. But in our case, ServiceNow is what we're talking about. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, and it and like you said, it it should be. They should be focused on what's best for the application and and what's best for the company that the application is working for. So it kind of has a holistic view of, you know, what the system is capable of doing and what the business wants to achieve and how that matches what the current strategy is. I always go back to like the building, you know, building a building. You have the blueprints of the building designed by an architect. Yeah, for a reason, because there's a lot of things that are possible when you're building a building, but there's not a lot of things that are practical or functional when you're building a building. You can put turrets on any building, but there's no point <laughs> for most buildings right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, to do that. You know, you can add a you can add a freight elevator to a to a two story home, uh, but you don't necessarily need a freight elevator in a two story home. You know what I mean? So it's and a lot of times like those sound outlandish, but some of the times you get requests for dev in the tool and it's like you know that's the equivalent of you know oh, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. A, uh, jet engine Randy, skateboard i wanted that 
I, I want that lift. Yeah, yeah, I understand. But I want it, right? When I want you're moving. <laughs> But Especially I when you're moving lift. in and out, that's <laughs> nice to have that lift. But I'm just, I'm just saying. But it's me. I'm the one asking, right? But right. It's nobody else. Not it's not anybody else. It's me. Right. I'm more important. You you got to right. do what I ask, right? But that's not how applications work. <laughs> right. Well, it's kind of like I mean, going back to the building example. When you if you're renovating a house, when you look at a wall and you're like, oh, I don't want that wall there. I can knock that wall out. Sure, you can, but you better check to see if it's load bearing first, you know, right. and, and if you don't, you know, we get a lot of the equivalent requests for let's knock this load bearing wall out. And uh, I don't care if the people on the second floor fall through um, as long as I get my view and, and you get, you know, so sometimes you yeah. get like, <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean like yeah. being asked, okay, I want instant management, but I don't want the out of the box instant management. I want my own custom. I want everything in it changed. that kind of stuff is what an architect should sit back and say, wait a minute, hold the yeah. horses there. <laughs> well, and, and, it, and I know that a lot of people don't have the experience with older platforms. So if uh, you have to understand where an architect's coming from, um, Brent and I both have worked on some older instances where it has been highly customized over the years. John wanted this, Bill wanted that, Sally wanted this. And now there's 400 fields. It's just completely customized. There's 400 business rules, 12,000 script includes. And you're saying to yourself, it's not manageable anymore. And it starts, and, and what happens is it starts breaking. Not only are upgrades unmanageable, but it starts breaking. And so we've been thrown into the mix and went, go straighten that out. And so it gives us a different perspective go, yeah, I know you want that, but why do you want that? Like that's never, that seems to be the answer the architect keeps asking. Why? I know you want that, but why? Why are you tracking something? Is there something that a piece of data gives you? You know, what is it that is so important that that requires that on every incident? And if there's a business reason i'm all for a lot of that mm -hmm. but i've seen that if pretty often you give that question and they're like well because i want it <laughs> right or, there's the i want it or you know one out of a hundred we might need that data well one yes, out of a hundred yeah. is not always something a good thing for the analyst to be filling out if you're not going to use it you know i think right. at least 60 to 70 percent of the time that's well and i see that opinion insane amount of times when it talks yeah. about cmdb right how many yes. times the cmdb is like well I, I need to know how many switches that has you know <laughs> like why <laughs> you know yeah I, I don't know i don't understand yep yeah and then there's the ones that come in and say well we want um this application or we want to deploy this this module in service now but we want it to look like you know, the old application that we had and we're replacing yeah. it with. Yeah. That that happens pretty often because they're so used to working with one tool. They want to take and make service now looking at like the, the tool that they're used to, but they're using, they're actually going away from tool onto service now for a reason. And that reason is typically because either there's, what technical debt? I think Randy, you said the other day, technical debt. There's something that they've 
again, like service now, they customize the heck out of it and now it's not working right or it doesn't give functionality they want. There's some reason they're switching on the ServiceNow platform and away from whatever tool that was. And if you don't identify that, why are you switching uh, and look at each and everything that they need and say, okay, do you really need this? Do you want this? And that's, that's our jobs as architects, right? Mm-hmm. Our jobs are, are not necessarily always easy either because we're asking questions that people really don't want to answer. What they want <laughs> is you say, Yes, sure. and build it, right? I will do exactly what you want. That's what they want. Yeah. Yes. Well, and I need to know, though, that the purpose of saying no or asking the questions, <clears throat> it isn't to make a judgment about the good, the, like whether it's a good business idea or whether it's a good business, um, you know, if it, that it's like something legitimate for the business. So when, you, when we're going back and asking questions, it's not about saying, look, you don't know how to run your business or anything like that. No, it's about... Yeah. Figuring out, is this something that is going to fit well in the system? And are we reliably going to be able to give the results that you're actually looking for? Because a lot of times you get requests and it's like, I don't know that, like you're saying one thing, but from what I understand about the process, the results you're looking actually is for something completely different. And so you're, you're trying to refine that to actually make sure that before, hey, before we turn the key, um, you know, we really want, you know, we really know that this is exactly what you want. And this is the value you're going to get out of it for the business. And we're not doing it in such a way that we're going to constrain the business to extremely expensive maintenance, um, you know, yeah. long term. Right. Well, that's the other thing. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to understand, they have to understand when you're saying to them, you know, why do you want this? What kind of benefit do you get out of this? Because each of those things has a cost. And, and, and I learned this really recently from my dad. My dad is building me a house right now. And I walked in the front door and Brent, you're going to kick me. And the, and, and, the, and the guy that was doing the trim work, he says, come here a minute. I've got some questions for you. <laughs> and he says to me, so in your closet, do you want it to go to the second level or do you just want it to be the one row or do you want it to be two rows? <laughs> and I said, well, I, I think it'd be better for two rows. And he goes, okay, come with me. He would go into the kitchen. He's like, well, on these, cab- on these cabinets, do you want them to go like two feet under or all the way to the ceiling? I'm like, all the way to the ceiling. Why not? I mean, I think it'll look better. He's like, yeah, I think it'll look better too. And I, and I left and a, and a couple of weeks later, my dad says to me, do you realize that you don't need to ever talk to him again? Because he just ordered $2,100 worth of sheet material. And I go for what he goes, because you opened your mouth, <laughs> you know? And so you, you, if you don't understand the cost, how are you going to make a logical decision? What should have happened, like everybody that comes to us with something, we should have said, I, I should have said, well, well, that, you know, that will look great. But what does that cost? And instead I didn't. But see, that's our job. Our job to say, okay, that's what you want. Well, here's what it's going to cost to build. Because guess what? Service now, Dev, you think everybody wants to say it's like super cheap. It's not. So you're going to have to pay for the build. And then you're going to have to pay for the maintenance forever. So what does that actually cost? And that's where we come in too, because guess what? 
if it costs, you know, $400,000 to do what they want. And they're like, oh, well, maybe we shouldn't do that. Well, there you go. Right. Right. And it's not the, I mean, I, how tall are your ceilings? Because I don't think you could ever reach those top cabinets. Oh, no, so, no, they're 10 foot. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm, so. I'm, I'm completely, yeah. I'll have to get a ladder to get to the second row. So yeah. don't even go there. Um, so, but <laughs> along those lines, um, the extra costs, the extra benefit, all that kind of stuff, or the extra, whatever, that's stuff that you need to make sure. Okay. Yes. You're telling them no, but you also need to, as an architect, you probably should be telling them no, but here's why, or we know we can't do it that way, but we can do it this way. That should make your needs anyways, because it's out of the box or that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Uh, so yeah, we say no a lot, but the no's usually come with no, but we can. Yeah, do it does. Yeah. No, you don't need that fourth and fifth shelf up there because you're never going to use it. Right. And you can't reach it. And so unless you get a jet pack, you're not going to want to have it. Oh, well, that's um, also a good, a good uh, thing about, you know, extra shelves up about 10 feet. That's looks good. But when it's like a field on a form that you'll never use. Yeah. Yeah. That's a shelf yeah. that you'll never use or never that's dust or never anything. Use. Nobody right. will ever use it. So what's the point of adding it? Yeah. Yeah. So when you come to my house, when we finish this, you guys are going to laugh at me, but, oh, yeah. uh, but, but, but it, uh, it is now to the ceiling anyway. Uh, but yeah, so that's, that's the problem. So we have a couple roles, right. Our, as architects. So the question now is what do we want to bring to us? Like, you know, we get a lot of ideas brought to us. What, what do you, what do we want? Well, I I mean, okay, I'd say I want well thought out uh, questions, but sometimes those are the ones I've thought this out and I've designed it all for you. And this is how it has to work. And that's not yeah. going to always work for service now because yeah. a lot of people that are requesting this stuff aren't even IT people a lot of times because the platform's got even bigger. And so yeah. you're getting weird things. So really what, I find best when they come to me is, hey, we have this issue. We want to fix it. We need this information to fix the issue. How mm-hmm. are you going to, how can you make this work in service now for us? And that kind of stuff. It's yeah. not, hey, we're coming with you that it's exactly planned out this way and it has to be done this way. Yeah, I want I, it to look like this. Need. I want to know what you need, right? right? What are we it's, trying to do here? And to be honest, not sure I want them to try and design it. I want to do that in discoveries, right? I want to have the those the biggest thing that I want in the idea is what do you need? What is it going to give you? Yep. That's the one thing I never get is what is it going to give you? What is it going to do for you? Yeah. Uh, is what it going to save you time? Is it going to save you money? Yeah. Well, what is it going to be? What's the empirical data behind it? The other thing that I like to see is how many, like how many times have you had somebody come to you with an integration and they're like, yeah, I want to integrate. And you're like, okay, that, that is fantastic. How many are you going to do a month? And they're like three. <laughs> right. I want an automated system that will open up these tickets for me. These incidents. Well, how many times do you get these incidents? I get them maybe once every two years. Well, then yeah. why am I doing this? Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's I've 400 hours before, of yeah. work. 
yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, it's, yeah, there's that kind of stuff, but there's also the thing is, is what I like best, I guess I should say is to be involved with the design, not them coming to me and say, we've designed it without you. And as an architect, yeah. you should probably be involved with most of that design up front. So come with, and I think come that to that's me with the business of- need and we can all discover the workflow together. And and I love uh, BAs and project managers. I really do. I think I, I don't know what I would do without them. You have my life would be absolute chaos without them. But with that being said, I find that certain ones try and solution it before they talk to me. And what I keep wanting them to do is have a conversation with me first. Like, let me be involved in the initial why and what. Mm -hmm. Let me design it and give it to you. And then you can gather the rest of the information we need. What I find happening is they talk to the customer and between the customer and the BA and and the project manager, they design it all. And then it comes to me and what am I doing? I'm saying no. Where instead, this, yeah. that that's not that that is a waste. That is waste. I mean, that, anybody who knows lean knows that rework is waste, and 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 it basically has us do rework. And the worst part about it is I still fight those fights, but I know architects that have stopped fighting those fights. And that's where I think the risk for a lot of people are, is I'm okay being a jerk. (laughs) I mean, just, you know, but a lot of people are tired of it. They just tired of, of, of that situation and them saying no, and them redirecting and, and trying to redesign it. Um, And stuff gets pushed through that could be dangerous for the system. Um, And that's, it's like, that's the problem. Well, like with ITEL says, you got to go to your SMEs to figure out what's best. Well, yeah. the project managers, the those people are not the SMEs of a service now. The architect is. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's the architect and the developer. In most cases, the architect and the developer or the admin are all the same people. So, yeah. But, um, but yeah, you go to the SME, the subject matter expert, so they can say, this is how it works, and this is how we need to make it work. Um, one of the things that I see a lot um, is people taking a messy workflow uh, or process, a messy workflow from a process, and try to implement that into the tool and make the tool work with that messy workflow. That That's yeah. not a good thing. If you're building... A uh, uh, new workflow in a in ServiceNow for something, even if it is like incident management, don't bring your old messed up incident management into it. Just try to, you know, work through it and make it better. Yeah, yeah talk to your 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 experts, right? Yes. Yep. I see that happen a lot where implementations get started and everybody's like at the beginning of it, they're like. Yeah, we want to do this right. We want to take the time to to solution everything out, and then, you know, they start looking at what's it going to actually cost to do that. And they go, okay, well, just let's just forklift what we have, and dump mm-hmm. it into this. And it's like, and we can fix it later, right? Well, and you can fix it later. But the problem is, you never, never fix it, right? <laughs> no, 
Well, and, and it never will get fixed right because all that old code, all that old stuff that remains in there. And, and what they do is they'll turn it off. They're disabled, but they'll never get it all out. It's, it's kind of like untangling a, a ball of yarn. You're, not, you're never going to get it right perfectly without a tremendous amount of work. And so nobody wants to do that much work because, again, cost. They're like, well, just pull on that strand there. <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> yep. you know? and, that's, and that's hard. But I find that a lot of people take that messy process and they'll start down that road and they didn't honestly know their own process. They thought they oh, did. Yeah, I, I've seen they didn't, that a lot. They didn't yeah. know what they didn't know. So you start asking questions like, okay, so you want this integration. So what do you want it to do? And they're like, well, I want it to do what John does, right? Well, John, well, what does John do? Well, he just, all he does is he, he turns that button on and off, on and off, on and off. And I go, okay, well, I can turn the button on and off. And they're like, oh, well, I forgot. He only turns that on when this happens. <laughs> oh, he, and, and, and this happens and he turns it off. And then- yep. Oh, and then it's 4,000 steps later and 4,000 scenarios later, they're like, well, so we kind of have a process. And you're like, no, you never had a process to begin with. And that's and, and that ends up being the messiest because you're already locked into the project. And it's so hard to backspin from that. And that's why it's really good to get solid requirements and solid stuff ahead of time and get solid processes and, and talk to your, as Brent said, your subject matter experts to make sure that things are able to fit the way it's supposed to. Yeah. Yep. The, the flip side of that is a lot of times when you're, when you're sitting down and maybe it's a new process or you are starting from scratch to try to, to do it, people forget that they just, there's a lot of assumed steps. Like we don't, we don't consciously go, Okay, when I get up to brush my teeth in the morning, step one is I've got to roll over to the side, then set up, then put my feet on the floor, then stand up. That's just something we do. But when you're putting that into a system to automate, it has to have all the steps that get you to the sink to turn the water on. But a lot of times, you know, the user will just say, yeah, you turn the water on, you put toothpaste on it, then you brush your teeth. But Why why do I imagine you rolling off the bed? (laughs) Get up. Bam! Right. Yeah. I, said, I said roll over and then put your feet down. I didn't say roll off the bed, but yeah. <laughs> well, you Some forgot mornings, that step. You know, before coffee, I'm not that efficient. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But you know, so you forget those things. And so when you're going back to ask people questions, it's not always like you know, you're not irritated. You're not saying, look, I don't think this is a good idea or anything like that. But sometimes it's like, I've got to find out what those assumed steps are that, that you're just not thinking about because somebody's just, you know, somebody's doing them. And then you've also got to figure out what all the old cl- uh, skeletons mm-hmm. in the closet from the old process is. Yeah. Cause you may have an old process where it works because there's a manual step somewhere in the way where somebody goes, okay, at three o'clock every Wednesday, I've got to reboot this server. Right. right. Yeah. You have things that people don't think about. Right. Yeah. And so, so it's always worth it to go back and investigate, like, what is this that we're moving forward? And let's walk through what we're doing. I mean, it costs a lot because you stop and you, um, it, it is, it is a higher upfront cost to go through that. Um, but, you know, in general, you gotta you gotta decide what am I gonna what do I want do I want performance and agility um, and and longevity in the system 
or, you know, do I want to pay a ton of money for support and rework and, and back work later on down the road? Cause either yeah. way you're going to end up paying for it. Yeah. Well, right. and, and the way yeah. I look at it is also, you've got, you know, every single time you have one of these projects, you should, you should do a lean project. I mean, it should be a full fledged lean project because guess what? You need to put hands on, actually sit down next to the person doing the work i mean you have to really investigate what's the best way let's go ahead and if we're going to head and doing this let's do it right and I, I i guess i get frustrated because it just seems like the concern for doing it right is outweighed by the necessity of getting it done quickly right yep well we have to have this done now well that's when things get messed up um, mm-hmm. you, you and I, when we worked in the same company together, we <laughs> had a, um, department come to us and say, Hey, we want to do this, um, uh, application thing. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. it's the application. <laughs> I'm trying to yeah. keep it so that it's kind of generic. They had mm-hmm. an application that they do. They give to people they fill out this documentation they prove that they taught classes or they did this and that and they could submit this every quarter and get bonuses for doing certain things but they came to us and said well we've been doing it on paper and this is what our process is and now we want to automate it well once we started talking to them and figuring out what all they did and did the discovery we found out it wasn't just hey you fill in a piece of paper and you submit it we look at it and to give you your money. There was a lot of stuff in the background. There was the uh, questions that everybody, the there were multiple people that had to review the applications. Uh, they had a whole, you know, uh, process that they didn't even think about that they were like, you know, we just do it kind of thing. Yeah. And so, yeah, sitting down and figuring all that out and we were able to say, okay, we're going to build this and it's going to take us this long. And they were like, cool as long as it's automated and that that to this day let's see that was how long ago jason probably six, huh. oh yeah or six five years, years ago, ago six more. years five or, yeah at least yeah yeah so we did that and i i'm still supporting that and it's still working great and everything and they and still we, are saving time and money oh there's yeah there are a lot every every time i'm doing an update to it they come the the vp of the department comes back and says this is saving us so much time and paper and all this stuff so it it was a success in the long run because they were able to sit down and discuss to us and work with us to figure out what the real process was not hey just put a form out there and we'll review it and give people their money Um, well and that's where and that's and and that and that's one example of a great example of them thinking this is just a form we can throw out there. Right. I mean, that was the, that was the original intent. That was, that was a, Oh, we could do a 10 minute form. And when we started looking at it, it's like, this is not, and it ended up being again, a decision by Brent is he's looking at this and he says, listen, no, we can't do this as a form and in, in as a requested item, correctly we need to build it as a custom application in order to do this correctly and and the architect is the one that says that's not the place to be it needs to be over here and that has been extremely successful because that decision was made 
Right. And because those conversations were had. Yep. Well, and they were willing to allow us to do a custom application. Granted, it was pre, you know, you had to pay for your custom app. So it was yeah, grandfathered everything. in. But if if they're willing to do that, they were willing to also pay for it. If it Absolutely. was going to have to be custom. Because yeah. they, they understood. But they knew their workflow at that point. So now they know where to go, what's happening, where it is, that kind of stuff. Well, and we were able to build it in such a short time compared to, say, a .NET app or, yeah. you know, yeah. something else that, that was, you know, from scratch. Because ServiceNow, that's the one wonderful thing about it is if you do have to build a custom app, it's so much faster and so much more efficient because you're building it off an existing skeleton. And right. that's that's why it makes it, you know, so much better. Uh, as as a platform than so many other platforms is because you have that skeleton to build off of. <clears throat> One of the things that made that successful is also the communication between you and them. So you took the time to understand understand their business, and they took the time to listen to you know your explanations of of the process. And so I think that there you know there's a responsibility on the architect to become a great communicator mm -hmm. um, and to learn enough about the business to, to, to know, because there's, I mean, typically the reason why they come to you and they say, we've got to have this done now is because they are looking at one set of metrics and one set of horizon that is in a, in, is in a language that is completely different than it. And then in their language is completely different than service now architecture. And you know what it's incumbent on, on the consultants or the architects to say, let's get this into a common language and make sure we're all on the same page before we add, you know, 400 custom columns or custom, you know, row or tables uh, to the instance or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah. It exactly. Great, it was great communication because you, the both sides of that were willing to learn about the other side and willing to have that communication. Uh, and in that process, we also discovered some inefficiencies just from the roundtable exercises you know, they're like, oh, you know, this is this is like an extra step we don't need to be doing, mm -hmm. um, yeah. and, and yeah. able to cut down on on um, incorrect entries and and all sorts of other benefits that came about that on the surface were not, you know, that process. You know, we didn't go into that process expecting to be able to save that much or to be able to find those those pieces. Um, yeah, to that, but that's that's one of those benefits that comes from learning to be able to communicate with each other. Right, and we also were able to benefit from help them benefit from ServiceNow because they saw how they interacted with the architect and the analysts and the person building it, all that kind of stuff. They also came back and said, "Hey, we have this other thing that we're doing paperwork wise. Can we work and come up with a process?" And now we're tracking all the. Uh, uh, nurses certificates in service now also mm -hmm. so yeah, awesome. uh, certifications and stuff yeah. so it, it's an amazing it's an amazing thing it's an amazing tool and people wonder why i'm so passionate about it and, and it's because of all these flexibilities all of these um uniqueness that the uniqueness of service now it's not like any other platform out there and and that does do great things for it but it also hinders it at times um, because people don't understand more than anything. They assume it's like every other 
application. It's it's got a it's a singular purpose, you know, application. But it's but it's not. And that that was, I think, early on service. Now it, it hindered it horribly when it was just you know you know I, basic incident change. You know, it was basic ITSM. Um, it, it really kept it from breaking out into those other spheres it, it quickly because everybody said that's that's just a ticketing tool right i mean that's that was what it, i can't i can't tell you how many times i heard that and went oh whoa, whoa, no it does a lot i mean we you can there's a lot that can be done with it i'm it's it's oh. an amazing tool oh yeah yeah it is but, i mean i but that's where the architect comes in and says Yes, it's an amazing tool. It's a platform. We can do all this, but we need to scale it and make sure that it's going to work the correct way. And that's how the arch. I mean, the architect knows all that and needs to mm-hmm. also be there to say yay or nay kind of thing. Yeah. Or, and how much? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's the other thing, right? Is is that the architect's responsible for? You know, we we have to know what it's going to cost you because. You know, without that, how do you make the decision whether it's whether it's the best place for it or not? Let, honestly, ServiceNow, as wonderful as it is, isn't the plus best place for everything, right? It's not. It, it, there are other purposes, other applications that have uh, defined purposes that may be a better fit for certain things, and. That's up to us to have those communications and decide that as well. Um, and, and that's, I think, a hard thing for a lot of people as well. So, Yeah, I, I definitely agree. On that note, let's take a short break. And then when we come back, let's talk about um, maybe some things that, that end users and requesters can do or maybe that architects can do to help educate their end users on you know, kind of some of the, their own discovery, like figuring out for themselves what um, options already exist. And, and, you know, is there a way that we can help them make some of these predeterminations before they come to us? Yeah, sounds good. Thank you for listening to Service Sharp. We need to take a short break for a word from our sponsor. Welcome back. Let's continue with our topics. All right, so we're talking about architects, and we're we're talking about um, in this next section what can we do as architects to kind of help explain to um, whether it's the business people or the or the project managers or BAs to to help them get us what we need to make those decisions, uh, and uh, what we can do just for the general user that wants to submit an idea what what is it should you should include um i think earlier we talked about uh kind of the basics that we like to have you know um and not getting into too much specifics give us the idea what do you want it to do um and what's the benefit of it um but as far as the architects brent what what do you do to kind of help ease that I mean, do you do any training for, you know, your business people or is there anything that you think we can do to kind of help move them forward with understanding what we need? Um, I think one of the first things is, I mean, when, when somebody comes to me, 
and they've uh, most of the customer most of my customers lately have kind of learned okay we need to go to him first but it, when they first started doing it it was we want this solution we want it now kind of thing and they've learned um or i've i've started asking questions and it's usually the same questions over and over what are you trying to do that kind of stuff so getting them to understand that um we need to know we don't want a solution from you we can't just implement your solution because that's not how things work we need to know what your business uh, issue is and what you need in the end and who's going to be working with me and do a discovery kind of thing so it needs to be you know ask a few questions up front to kind of get a general idea and then have um either a, a a template that you send them and say fill this out or uh like an assessment document or uh, i like to do the the um like team or zoom meetings and talk to them mm -hmm. or, um used to be in person but um not anymore so that kind of stuff so you're you're asking you know that kind of stuff and then as the architect you're you're giving them an idea or sometimes it's uh okay i've got your notes let me go think about this for 24 hours and look at some stuff up and then i'll get back to you kind of thing but yeah. you know i i like to i like to use the idea you know idea demand a lot and i like to use idea mm -hmm. because it's so such a simple form and that's where i think a lot of companies mess up as they try and make it super complicated yep i all i want is the idea and and, and then i want to review that idea with the the, the ba and and say okay well, this is a good idea, but here's how I want it to be structured. Again, right. it goes into a demand. Once it's in a demand stage, you know, that's when they can start gathering the information we need to, to, to make that determination. But, you know, the, the initial conversations, those, those first talks where we start in our mind, we start, you know, designing it, if you would, um, mm -hmm. Those are that that's very important. And if it starts with an idea and again, that cut them off, it's one box, an idea, you know, it right. shouldn't be, it shouldn't be, Oh, well, we need to expand that out to 4,000 characters. <laughs> you know, um, just make that multi-text box day at two fifty six. Okay guys. Um, <laughs> but well, and it doesn't have to be just, I, I mean, idea is a good place. Um, right like in an agile because not everybody has idea or demand sure, sure. in an agile they ask three questions and it's uh or two questions as a i want huh? uh, right. and then there's so that so you have the three questions as a um um hr analyst i want a way to take uh, in uh cases that our our employees have so that I can know when something's wrong and so that, yeah, so that I know something's wrong for them and I can work on that. So there's the like three that. questions. And at that point, you're like, okay, you want the HR service desk module. So yeah, we can yeah. congratulations. But, you now have more services to pay for. <laughs> but yeah, recently my, my main job, we went agile and that I know, okay, we had idea i i didn't demand before that and they made mm -hmm. it so complicated that nobody wanted to fill it out <laughs> Shocker. But, 
businesses did, they actually had project managers fill them out for them because the project manager would come up with something. But now that we've kind of moved to an agile and we have three simple questions and one of them they already know because that's their title as mm-hmm. a VP of whatever. Um, the other two questions is I want this so that I can do this or that my department can do this. So it makes it a lot easier and they're willing to start at that and go through the process. Yeah, I so like that. Keeping it simple, um, that that makes it easier, makes your business company uh, or your business uh, partners out there um, come in and say, hey, we need your help. We know you you can help us do this. And, you know, being a hindrance is not a good thing. Telling them no, yes, you're going to have to do that or else all. And that's not being a yeah. hindrance. That's just saying, no, you're, there's a better way of doing this. Right. Well, well, and I've, if you're saying no all the time as an architect, if that's all you're doing when they come to you, they will go around. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, yeah, I don't say no all the time. I've said no quite a bit, but a yeah. lot of times it's why, yes, well, we can do that, but there's a better get, way that we can yeah. do it this way. And, and but you'll get those that you're like, okay, so we can't do it that way. We're not that that's not stable. That's not secure for the system. Yep. Um, and what about this? And they're like, no. And they're like, okay, but here's the options. We can do it right. We can make it stable or we cannot do it. I mean, there is a point to where you have to say no. Now it, it should be after you've gone down every avenue to say yes. But, a, a, you know, a good example is, you know, the company has multi-factor authentication and you go through the laundry list of potential ways you could do it. And they're like, no, we want to give everybody a local account. Well, that why do we have multi-factor and the security is like, you know, hair catches on fire. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, no, we can't do that. And then yours going, no, we, we can't do that. But what about if we, you know, what about if we go around them a different way what if we do it this way and if they just are resistant and don't want to do it any other way there are times you just have to put your foot down and say no not not here not not well, not now there might be certain times but 90 percent of the time there is a solution and you're not telling yeah. them no because uh whatever and usually i don't specific well it depends on who it is uh sometimes yeah. i do say no just to give them a hard time but that's just me. And I know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But usually it's not giving them a no as an architect. You're supposed to give them solutions. But that's not, when you pick up the phone, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, I think it's, I think it's <laughs> what we're kind of talking about is it's important to build relationships with these teams. Because so, like, like you said, Jason, sometimes there are going to be times where you're going to have to say this absolutely will not work. But in order for them to accept that, and not do an in run around you, they have to trust you. And that's right, what yeah. is saying that, you know, 90% of the time there's a way to do a win-win. And if yeah. as annoying as it might be sometimes to keep working toward that, because some customers are hard to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. You know, yep. but it's very, very rewarding once you build that relationship. And it doesn't have to be a relationship where it's like, yeah, I want to hang out with them on the weekend or anything like that. It's just a, I respect that they know what they're doing and that they're trying to get us the, the solutions that we need rather than yeah. being seen as, because, you know, a lot of times like in information security, <clears throat> they, they just got the reputation of 
no, we, you know, we would do that, but security won't let us. So we're just going to write our password down here and leave it on the, on the boardroom table. And if you happen to pick it up, then you can go ahead and take care of that. Cause we've got to get this done. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Security, yeah. You know, security groups kind of figured out we've got to become partners with, if we want them to be secure, because they've got to understand, you know, that it's not about us saying no and, and a power trip. It's about us having a common interest in, in, in everything like that. And that, that's really where the architecture kind of, you know, comes in. You earn the right to be able to put your foot down if you build right. a relationship with them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You, have to build, you have to build political capital. And right. I know that's a horrible way to say it, but you, you really do. You build that capital over time. So, you know, I, I'm, you hope that the first project with that person isn't one of those, you know, <laughs> sometimes every, you, know, you, you just right. hope it's one of the other ones. But once you start building a relationship with them and it, like, like Randy said, it's not, Hey, I'm going to go hang out with this guy on the weekend kind of relationship. It's more of a, I trust them to come to me. They trust me to come up with the best solution or have their back when it comes to certain things, that kind of stuff. You just got to have that relationship talking back and forth about what they need and what you think the system can do for them, that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And um, we just did an HR deployment. And I think part of the issue or part of being able to do that successfully was that they were hesitant to bring us in because they were going to have their consultant group come in and do it. But we, because of the COVID thing hitting and all, we were able to quick paste some stuff for them and get stuff in service now that they needed. And they worked with us on that and they were like, Hey, these people do know what they're talking about and they would be great to help with us. So just helping somebody with a little form that they needed and got it out for them quickly and, and everything built a relationship that they were to, they came to me and my team at that time or uh, yeah, at the time that they were talking about even bringing in the consultant to do it. And they were like, okay, here's what we want to do, that kind of stuff. So they started involving us because they had more confidence in us because we were willing to work with them and talk to them and treat them like adults, not like, you know, stupid people that don't know anything about IT. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which they're and, not, yeah, but that's how honest, some people... But some no, people, but that's yeah. how some people in IT treat people and that's also how some people outside of it think oh well they're they're just big brain it people and they don't even want to talk to me so yeah and that's the where that's the other thing the architect kind of has to be both he has to be understanding of the it infrastructure and he has to be understanding of the platform and he also has to understand the business side and be able to communicate effectively um, that's kind of a, a strange bedfellows. And so that's, that's where we are as architect. We have to kind of be those, you know, in betweens, you know, communicating back and forth with the, for example, the dev guys that really can't communicate and the business side where they communicate well, but they communicate differently than the dev guys and the dev guys right. can communicate, but you know, they're, they're, they're using terminology and they're using, you know, acronyms and really will confuse the business side. So we have to understand both languages and and basically work as an interpreter in, in, in the middle of it <laughs> as well as the other jobs that we have <laughs> yeah yeah and i didn't realize how much 
IT uses acronyms until I started working with other departments and they're like, yeah. what does that mean? Yeah. Um, I had someone ask me what snow was today. And I was like, <laughs> oh, well, that's what some people call service now. <laughs> oh, by the way. To, but they should. No. They do. It's yeah. a competing platform, get people. In I, exactly, <laughs> I told them that, too. I said, it's a comp- competitor. So I mean, they shouldn't a, be calling it that. But That's a legitimate uh, question when you live in Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'll find out here in a couple of days. But yep. Yeah, no, no kidding. It was 70 degrees today. Yeah, it was beautiful. Zero in three days. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and and ice ice storm. Yeah. Um. One of the you know what you talk about, Jason and Brent, about how you know you have to kind of live in both worlds. The great thing about it is, people will teach you their language. Yes. If you just ask. Yep. Yes. If you sincerely yeah. say, "I want to understand what you're doing," and you listen to them, they'll teach you exactly what you need to know in order to be able to translate between the two worlds. Yep. Yeah. And if you listen to them and learn from them, they're willing to learn from you what you mean by, Oh, uh, well, no, that that's not going to work because of this table or whatever. They're willing to learn your language. So, yeah. Yep. You know, it, I find it also in- reality. If you're mm-hmm. being in run around and you're not getting invited to the meetings, like, um, like um, Brent was talking about where the, they would invite, invite them to the consulting group meetings and things like that. You need to do a hard look and examine whether you've built any relationships with those groups or not. Because if, yeah. you know, if, if people are doing an in-run around you, maybe it's because you're always an obstacle rather than a solution provider. Yeah, and, and they will every time. Yeah, and I, I can say you can't have a relationship with all of your customers. That's kind of hard. Um, but there are the same customers that come to you um, all the time or that probably will be coming to you all the time. Those are the ones that you start, you know, communicating with and and associating with. And then when they have coworkers that they work with that need things, they'll say, Oh, well you need to go talk to Brent. He's really knowledgeable. He'll listen to you. He'll explain it all to you, that kind of stuff. So it's nice to be able to, you know, just start sharing that. But you well, can't I just think, be nice to one person. Yeah. I think the that number one mistake, though, that architect, can, the worst mistake an architect can make, and probably the worst mistake I've seen an architect make on a consistent basis, is not knowing, but not saying they don't know. Like it, it, It's amazing how the ego gets involved. There are times that we don't know. You, where we have to get back with people. I mean, we're not we're not all knowing. We know the no, and service very now well. changes every day. So that's right. I mean, you you want to try and you try and stay on top of that stuff, but the reality is, we don't know everything. And if you come across that you feel like you know everything, um, then that's not that's not a good place to be. That's not a good communication strategy. Um, I will get back with you is an, is absolutely okay. That's an um, acceptable answer. Yeah, it is. It's well, an acceptable answer. Can you go over that one more time? Because the second biggest mistake I see is assuming that when you say SME, you're, you're meaning subject matter ex- expert and not something completely different. 
Right. Know, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's I exactly. Whenever I said SME or or SME earlier, I was I was thinking, okay, I know what that means, so I better explain out loud what that is, just in case somebody else didn't. That's why I later on said, you know. Subject matter expert because uh-huh. not everybody's going to know not what everybody can know. Yeah, it's <laughs> what I, I we have. I work with several ITEL experts, and they just assume everybody knows what they're talking about, and they're always blah 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 this and everything. And it's like, you know, these people don't know ITEL. You went to uh, a lot of training; they didn't. So you have to, in some cases, not talk to them like a a two year old, but kind of you know talk their language and tell them yeah, yeah this is how it works and you have to be yeah. willing to educate people yes in a way that doesn't make them feel looked down upon if you want them to understand what you're saying and to use that terminology otherwise yep. you need to learn their language you either need to be willing to teach your language or you need to learn their language in oh. both yeah i was gonna say uh, both is probably the more accurate because yeah that yeah. project i was talking about earlier uh, there were i i don't know that we could have gotten them to understand everything we were talking about but jason and i sat down with them and with one other person and was able to mm-hmm. discuss with them and learn their language of you know what what this was because they were coming back with standards and activities and and uh <laughs> all this stuff and you're like well that's not what we consider a standard or an activity and yeah so learning their language is you got to have the patience to do that. Yeah, you really do. Yeah. And, and I, it's funny cause I, <laughs> I remember that project very well and it was, and it was, a, it was a lot of fun. Um, if you, if you are the kind of person that I am and you just enjoy learning stuff about other parts of the business and that will come in handy. I will say, I remember when I first got into it and this is really where, I started understanding the language issue was uh, I <laughs> went to work for Randy um, <laughs> and I would sit in meetings and just write down acronyms over and over. And then I'd get my dad, I'd get back to my desk and I'd Google them all because I didn't know what the heck they were. And, and, and so I would just kind of like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Not. Yeah. And I would yeah. just write all that down. I remember uh, at the time I didn't know the difference between JavaScript and Java, and you know. Anyway, uh, well, see, I was <laughs> born in IT, so I just well, yeah. Brent Brent started those. when he was three. Oh, close, but <laughs> well, that's one of the things that we frequently forget is we've been in IT forever. Yep, um, and it's something like we do every single day. But you got to imagine, like, if you were to walk into um, like if you were if you've never tried to do crown molding before, that's a wake up call. <laughs> oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Seriously, I mean, uh-huh. it's, it's, I mean it's my, as easy as it looks. My wife's <laughs> no, into it. No, it isn't. In, <laughs> my wife's in accounting. I don't know that I could understand. I, I have a hard time balancing a checkbook. So yeah, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you know, I tell people. People ask me why I got an accounting degree because I was IT. I said, well, my wife's an accountant. I wanted to be able to talk to her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I forget. Yeah. See, I have two two sons and they're into computers. So the three of us will start talking about certain things and my wife will just have this glazed look over her eyes. And it's like, right. oh yeah. So that makes me think, okay, yeah, I gotta remember these people. You gotta remember your always know that. Sure. Yep. And it's and it's intimidating, but it's also 
my, I'll start talking about my work to my father and he will look at me and says, listen, I'm about to go to sleep and I need you to stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, okay. I'm, I'm sorry. Let me, but it, it's, it's, we got to know our audience. And with, with my dad, if I stop, if you stop using those terms and you spell it out, they understand and they don't, their eyes don't roll to the back of their head and they don't go to sleep. Um, because otherwise they don't understand. So that's, you know, effective communication is like the pinnacle of what you, one of the things that you have to have as a good architect, because if you don't, you will fail. It's really essential in everywhere. It's an underrated skill. People do not rate the ability to communicate effectively high enough in the skills to be sought after. Um, but I'll tell you one thing that you can do at the beginning of every meeting with with clients or with customers or, you know, business uh, associates and stuff like that is just say, Hey, um, my goal is to meet your needs here and to exceed your expectations. And as part of that, I want to make sure I'm as clear as possible. So I want you to know that anytime you don't understand what I'm saying, feel free to ask a question. Yeah. Yeah. Just lay that out. And then also, if you feel like I don't understand what you're saying, feel free to point that out so we can get on the same page and not assume that we're on the same page. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Just give them permission up front to, to, you know, so that they don't feel, you know, like, you know, something I could have done to make your life better is to just say, Hey, you know, I know you're new uh, in, in the IT world. So, you know, I should have said that in those meetings, you know, feel free to ask questions. Well, and, and, and the thing is for, for somebody that's never been around IT at the time, it is intimidating. And, and to be honest, it's when you're, when you're trying to learn it, it's not that you don't have the capability or, or you just, you literally are just ignorant. You have no idea what these things mean. And Google, if you're new to it, if you're new to service now, mm-hmm. you know, I will encourage you to write those things do what I did in that way, because don't be intimidated by it, but there's not, there's a lot of times in these meetings, you can't stop and say, so what does IT mean? <laughs> you know? It's so sometimes you got to just write it down, Google it, yeah. you know, it, it, because it's okay to not know as long as you're willing to learn, it's okay not to know, yeah. right. but and learn it. And the next time you go in that meeting, you're like, yeah, I know what IT means. And that's the same for you as the architect or you as the analyst or the uh, developer or whatever. If you don't understand what they're talking about, you have got to ask them too. Absolutely. If you have no idea what, uh, what a bill of lading is (laughs) or, you know, or no idea what, uh, you know, what, uh, you know, turnover ratio means or something like that. When you're talking to supply chain or accounting, ask them, what does that do? What is that? What do you, why do you need to know that? Yeah. Don't guess. You're yeah. gonna be wrong. <laughs> yeah. You might, be right, you might not be right in the context of what they're using it for. You know, exactly. You yeah. the answer, but you find out that all, you know, just like we all have colloquialisms, which I don't pretty sure I didn't pronounce that right, but we all have those things where it's like, you know, when you're from the south and you say soda, you mean you know, Dr. Pepper or something like that. But when you, you know, other places say cola or something, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, yeah. you may be, yep. you may have the exact same terminology, but mean completely different things. And so it's always good to just ask for clarification. It's sometimes it seems like it's silly, um, but it's better to ask for clarification than, you know, 
build a DeLorean when they wanted a Honda. Yep. Yeah. And then somebody sold exactly. them, you know, several hundred thousand yeah. dollars worth of oops. And, and I want, I want something to be very clear. I keep hearing people say, I don't need an architect. All I need is a developer and a project manager. And I understand there's a cost and, and that cost sometimes is very high, but you need to, you need to understand that the reality behind it is that developer is going to do whatever he's told to do. And there is a different mindset between a developer and an architect, the developer, his mindset is do whatever it takes to get it done. It doesn't necessarily mean it's the best for the system. It doesn't necessarily mean it's the right thing. It doesn't necessarily mean the process is correct. It doesn't necessarily mean it fits in service. Now the developer mindset is get it done. And that's great because that's what their mindset needs to be. And if you only have a developer and a project manager, what you're going to have is a system that's unstable and unsupportable in 10 years from now, because you don't have anybody that puts the brakes on or, or analyzes how it's done. Right. You need an architect. And, and I can't tell you how many times I'm going to stress this or how important this is. You have to have somebody that is on that architect level. If you have a serious platform, if you have a, small company, three people, and you don't, can't afford an architect or can't afford a, an architect, or you can't afford all three or whatever, you know, get somebody that is, has that architect skill. Um, and you will be better off w- without a project manager. For example, you need that skill set. You need that knowledge of the system, that knowledge of how to keep it stable because otherwise you really will get way off and you're going to be calling in a, a group of people to come fix your stuff. And it's going to cost you a tremendous amount of money long-term. And to kind of give you an example of what I've seen happen in other organizations, they've hated the platform, but what they didn't understand is what they hated wasn't the platform. It was all the stupid customizations that were done over years and years that made it slow, that made it cumbersome, that made it ridiculous in so many ways. And then I've seen multiple companies get rid of service now and go with a different platform that did less, that was not as good and cost just as much because they didn't understand what they had was crap because of what they did to it, not because of the system itself. Right. And you can always augment with, you know, with contract um, experts as well. Um, And you you don't necessarily have to have an architect for every, every decision, but you better have a good, a good plan for other people to follow. Um, yeah. If you don't have the right people for the right job, I'll tell you, you know, I, I have, we decided we were remodeling a house. We decided we were going to put in a hot, tub, uh, not a hot tub, but a jacuzzi bathtub. We just had a standalone shower before. So we hired some people to knock some walls out and everything like that. Well, we needed an outlet to plug the jet, the motor into. Uh, we didn't have an electrician on the job. We had plumbers on the job. Well, plumbers saw on the other side of the wall was an outlet. So we'll just 
punch a hole through the wall and push the cord through. <laughs> the cord through. <laughs> oh, wow. And that sounds stupid. And, and I walked through and I saw it and I'm like, wow, this is not going to pass inspection. Um, but how many times have we seen that exact scenario play out inside service now with oh, yeah. customers? Oh, yep. yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Someone punched a hole in the wall and plugged it in, but it wasn't. They just did what they could to make it work exactly. and not yeah. thought quickly and not thought it out. Right. And, you know, you're right, Jason. It'd be great to have all those in one department or in different people. But sometimes you can't. But what you got to do is have someone that has at least the mindset of an architect mm-hmm. that says, wait, that's not the best thing to do for the company or for our application. Yeah. The the problem the problem is what I see is you have and and I'm talking large customers here. Yeah. I'm talking about they're spending millions of dollars for the platform. They're a large company and they say, "Well, we have two people they're running the app running it. We have a developer." And I'm not talking about small companies. Uh, small companies you're going to have to get creative because of the finance issue. You're going to have to find somebody that has those architect skills that we talked about today, you've got to find somebody that is a developer that has that potential to have that mind shift, that mindset shift to an architect. Mm-hmm. You know, architects need to be technical. We need to know how to do stuff. We need, we generally come from developers, but it, you need somebody, if you don't have the money to get a full, full-time architect, you need to have somebody that has that mindset, like Brent said. Um, but, Listen to this podcast. I mean, we laid it out. This is the way they need to think. Go do your interviews with these questions, these, these, th- that mindset of this is what I'm looking for. But if you're a big company, there is no reason you shouldn't have at least development and architecture. Um, if, if there's just... Um, and, no uh, reason why you shouldn't have both. Well, there the major reason usually is um, the company does not believe in it or doesn't have uh, feel like that it will be a financial benefit by having people mm-hmm. on staff. Absolutely, so. and and you know hire somebody, hire it out, whatever. But it, the reality is, it, if it just maybe you're right, maybe they need to be shown. What can now, be done? I can tell you if you have all three that you can do, uh, you know, the project management, the architect, the development kind of stuff, the admin, day-to-day admin. If you can do all mm-hmm. that, um, you, there are a lot of companies out there that would love to have you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it really is. A very worthwhile skill set to develop. Yeah, yeah. For sure. You just have to be willing to leave, and I'm not, so. Well, I mean, you're 12 days from retirement. I mean, uh, you've been I'm not you, that like old. Like I said, Jason. you start you, like like I said, you started when you were three, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you you are definitely were uh, have always been my mentor, and and uh, but uh, but of course we're the same age, so I can't really. You know. Not really. I'm a year older than you, but yeah. <laughs> oh well, I'm sorry. When when you're <laughs> when you're our age, the year is not really much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, okay, now I sound like I'm 400 years old. <laughs> uh, man, I feel like the young guy in the room. I don't know if I know you are. Not. I just you are. I'm not talking you about are. how old I am. 
we could probably just talk about this for a while, but let's, uh, let's save some for the next podcast. I guess that's it. That's it, guys. Yeah. Well, thank thank you for joining. Uh, we we appreciate you listening to us blabber blabber on, if you would. Um, but uh, remember, you can always get a hold of us. Uh, we do need suggestions. We love to have to to hear your suggestions of what topics that we should cover. Um, and uh, there are multiple ways to get a hold of us. So please uh, get a hold of us if you have any questions. Uh, I'd love to hear them. Absolutely. And if you don't have someone that you can ask questions, like Jason was talking about earlier in, in the show about you know writing the acronyms down and going and ask somebody, shoot them our way. We love to answer. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right. Have a great one, everyone. All right. All right. Thank you. Bye. We want to thank our flagship sponsor for this show, the Sharpstone Group, LLC. Sharpstone is your source for all of your ServiceNow needs. Implementation, development, administration, strategy, and architecture. Contact the Sharpstone Group today at info at sharpstonegroup.com or 405-594-0100. We'd love to answer your questions or have you on the show. Contact us at servicesharp at sharpstonegroup.com or find our LinkedIn info in the notes. Additional sponsorship opportunities are available.